Hello and welcome to Rewatch. My name is Seth Scruggs. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I was and pausing. I'm, and I'm joined. I'm joined by my illustrious co-host, Zachary Vaughn. Great at introducing myself as always. <laughs> Just really, really on brand. This is the Dead show air. about... This is the show about movies we love and movies we haven't seen yet. Uh, Each week we talk about a movie that uh, one of us has seen more than once and the other's only seen once. I really got to get a better tagline uh, for this show. Yeah. Uh, And this week we're talking about two very quiet movies. Uh, And Zach, let's talk about the one that you picked first. Um, My pick... And that kind was, of rhymes with the word pick. It has pretty, it shares, pretty dang it shares close. two of the letters. Uh, yeah. It's Pig by Michael Sarnowski, um, written by Vanessa Block and Michael, starring Nicolas Cage, Alex Wolf, and Adam Arkin. It is about a truffle hunter whose pig gets taken and his journey back into the life he turned his back on um to find his pig and that's about as exciting as i can make it sound (laughs) yeah do you want (laughs) to you want to talk about what you didn't like about this movie before i talk about what i liked about this movie or do you want (sighs) me to just like talk say a lot of good things about this movie before you rip it to shreds. So last week I talked about how I didn't relate to Goodfellas. Right. Uh, same thing here. Uh, it's very niche. And I get that there are themes of loss coming to terms with loss and accepting moving on closure it's but it's done in such a nick cage way <laughs> that it's really peculiar um and the peculiarity distances me from connecting okay is that is that all you have to say i think that's all i think that's it there's a okay. lot of similarities with how he acts to um uh, I can't think of his name. The guy from National Treasure. Nick Cage? Well, no, the the character. Oh. The character in National Treasure and his and ben, Robin. Ben Gates. Ben Gates. In this. Ben Gates. Okay. Oh, it is that. Okay. Yeah. I thought I thought for a second there. I am aware that, that Nick Cage plays both of those characters. Okay. I was just I would not have brought up another nick cage role looks a lot like the guy in raising arizona for some reason i can't i can't put my finger on it man oh yeah really some sort of (laughs) they should cast this guy as like a pilot or something and reboot uh what's that movie uh one where everyone goes yeah left behind yeah they should they should reboot they should reboot left behind with with this guy as the Anyway, I've pushed this bit too long. Your turn. I thought this movie was really good. Uh, I I feel like I need to sit with it again 
to really say like, did I like it or not? I definitely found it interesting. And there, there were a few things that didn't work for me. Um, there were, there were a few times where it got a little bit overzealous in the kind of elevated world that it was trying to build. But that said, I loved the elevated world. Um, that, you know, it just makes total sense in this version of reality that food is the biggest thing. It kind of reminded me of, you know how like in every every faith-based sports drama, whatever sport the main character is playing is always like the biggest thing in the town. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, so it's like, man, everyone in this small town in Indiana is just super into field hockey. <laughs> Because whatever inspiring story that they're trying to tell, like that that person was played field hockey in high school or something. Mm-hmm. This feels a little bit like that, but like way darker. Where it's like, no, everyone is super into like the food scene in Portland. And also there's an underground fighting ring for sous chefs. Yeah, specifically chefs. Right. Like what a wild thing to exist. I just like I wish I were in that like writing room of like man what if there was an there was a fight club but for chefs and he's going to walk in and he's going to say his name and everyone's going to know who it is it and I just like I love the kind of elevated nature of that that you know this scene where they're sitting in the in the restaurant of that's like not the thing that this guy wanted to make. You know, he's not cooking from the heart, is is what Nick Cage tells him. And it's so it, it's so interesting where it's kind of understated, but also really big and funnily enough nick cage is not giving the biggest performance in that scene Mm -hmm. he's not giving the most over the top performance in that scene which i think is what's kind of it kind of forces you off kilter a little bit because you're like wait a second the the person who's like what what's going on here why is nick cage the most sensible man in this scene right now i love that nick cage's character uh rob just like walks around bloody and bruised for the entire thing. I love it. I I think it's like one of the the best moment, like one of the best things about the film is that he just keeps getting beaten to a pulp and just keeps going. Not like he doesn't clean up. He's like, he's absolutely disgusting and he does not care in the slightest. And I love that. Um, I love that the climax of this film is making dinner and and I knew part of what didn't work for me was I thought that the the line where he's like I remember every meal I've ever made every person I serve like that that was a little cheesy but Overall, I I really, really liked 
this movie. It's something that I, I want to watch again. Um, in contrast to what we, what we talked about last week with like Goodfellas or something. Mm-hmm. I felt like there was a lot there. You know, I think as you realize that the pig is not, number one, it's not his source of livelihood. You know, he doesn't need the pig to hunt truffles. He, he says that. And number two, as you realize like what he's, he's letting go by letting this pig go, letting, you know, what he's accepting. And to me, that was really powerful um, and really impactful. Yeah. It's, it's also like he lost a pig, big whoop. No, see, that's the part that I, I got. Yeah. I, I got that. Like I got that this pig wasn't just a pig and it was more than a truffle pig right this pig was his connection to the only things he loved about his past Mm -hmm. and in losing that he lost his connection to the only thing he loved about his past what i didn't what threw me was the elevated world because everything's so quiet yet the world is so strange and it wouldn't it wouldn't work loud because it's about food Mm -hmm. you can't play that loud loss and and yeah well no i mean i mean the the world the world revolves around food yeah so you can't play that loudly because that makes even less sense. Right. Um, because, like, in, in order to connect it to our society, like, anything that revolves around food is going to be hoity-toity, like, reserved um, and refined. So you can't have it... You In order to, to pass the world off as being... As revolving around food, you can't have it be loud and boisterous. I get that. But because of how quiet the movie was, it threw me every time there was something weird. Right. That makes sense. Um, like every time somebody reacted it, like over the top, what I would describe as over the top to something, which is frequent. I was thrown because I'm like, everything was just very quiet. And then this person got very upset. <laughs> That makes sense. Yeah. No, I I get that. I to me it worked. Um because I really I like the kind of movies. It it kind of reminded me a little bit of the Coen Brothers movies where it feels a little bit like our reality but also Every choice, at least I thought, every choice that's made feels in line with the world and the characters that are making the choices. Um, I always go to something like Burn After Reading or a little bit over Other Where Art Thou with them where like 
yeah, it looks familiar, but also it's so elevated that these are the only logical choices. And it and it feels a little bit like that to me, Pig does, where it's like, oh, we're going to go into Portland? Well, man, I just have to find the underground chef fighting ring because they're going to have the answers that I need because they're all going to know where my pig is. You know, and I'll just go in and write my name real big and everyone knows exactly who I am and is going to pay a bunch of money to punch me in the face. Like, oh yeah, of course, that's exactly what we need to do. And I think that having the Alex Wolf character there really helped that a lot where he's able to kind of be, obviously he's an active character in the story and there are things that he does and choices that he makes. But also he kind of functions as a audience character to Rob and what he's doing where he can, we can kind of see things through his eyes and he can be like, what is happening? What is going on? And kind of give us that into the world, you know, where he can be like, what do you mean there's an underground fighting ring? Why are we going here? Yeah. I think... I think I could summarize... Not to reduce your experience with this movie. I think one of the best ways to explain why you enjoyed this movie and I didn't... Uh, would be to recommend people listen to our episode on the 1966 Batman. <laughs> Why is that? Um, because that's another movie that you loved that I didn't because of intentional choices that they made that didn't land the same for me as they did you. Do you think do you think it had something to do with expectation like what what you expected going into the movie and what you actually experienced? Yes and no cuz the okay. first so cuz when I saw definitely the first time but this time I had already seen it. Right. And it did go up a half star. It did so... go up a half star. Um so the first time I saw it I had heard it advert I had heard it summarized as John Wick, but with a pig. And that is not this movie. <laughs> Only if you mean that someone steals someone's animal. And that that is the inciting incident. Right. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. That's the only connection. Yep. Um, so that, that threw me the first time. Cause I was like, oh yeah. When's he going to start shooting people? He doesn't. He just uh, he makes a really nice dinner. Does not. Yeah. Um, so like, like with the 1960s Batman, it's an elevated world where decisions make sense only because of only because it's written to make sense, but it's written for that to make sense. Right. Like it's, it's, it's written for only script, only something you would think of if it was in the script to make sense. I, and I don't know if I entirely agree with that. I mean, but, most, I don't. Yeah. 
that's that's fine you're allowed to do that um yeah. and you don't need my permission to <laughs> i be allowed only to in that. the sense that i think that so i i would separate two things there where i would say that there's a category of things that only make sense because they're written that way you know it only makes sense for somebody to leave in the middle of a sentence because someone came up with that and it doesn't make sense in the world. I think, and and I think that there's plenty of examples in the Bat- 1966 Batman that that would apply to. And there are some things here in, in pig, you know, I remember every meal I've ever made that feels a little bit to sex machina kind of thing. It's only he only does that because we have to have him do that in order for this conclusion of the plot to make sense, right? Mm-hmm. Which is part of what holds it back from me from being like top, to, you know, a great great film is something like that. But I think that other choices that they make, there's there's that kind of thing, right? Where it's like you you're only making that choice because we have to you have to make that choice in order for this film to work. But then there's the flip side of that, which is the the world is built in such a way that certain choices make sense, even if he did that outside of the movie that it wouldn't. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think that there are certain things in Pig that would fall under, well, we need them to do that to resolve the plot. But then I think there are other things that, yeah, it doesn't make a ton of sense if you were to go out in the street and do that, but it kind of does make sense if he does it here. Yeah. In Within the context of, you know, when he just like lays into the guy at the really nice restaurant and he kind of dresses him down for what he's doing and trying to, find out information about his pig that feels very to me that felt like something that would happen in this world yes i i i thought that was fine i thought it was boring but i thought (laughs) it was fine i think pacing gets me a lot with this movie too that that makes sense there's a lot of yeah and that was something again like i i completely understand having an issue with where it would speed up and there'd be a lot happening and then they would just like sit and have a conversation while they ate and then it would speed up again and all this stuff would happen and then they'd sit there and have a conversation while they ate food which yeah that's that's a weird like that's a odd pacing and i i agree with that another thing that kind of held it back for me mm-hmm. yeah yeah can Once- i say Oh, go ahead. Once the movie once the movie gets into the second act is when it started to lose me both times. Okay. Like it had me it kept me through the inciting incident and I was like, "Ooh, this is interesting." But then as the action slowed it it lost me. That makes sense. Can I say one more thing that I really, really liked in this film? Mm-hmm. I loved the physicality 
of Nick Cage in this movie. Like he's obviously it's Nicolas Cage. He's known for being really big and flamboyant and part of the like selling point. I may, I don't know if this was the case for you, but when people talk to me about it, about pig, they're like, yeah, it's Nick Cage, but like, he's so subtle and realistic. He's so subtle. And that's relatively true. He's a very subdued character in this movie. But one of the things that I really admired is that even though he is such a subdued character in this film, there's a lot going on with his physicality where he is. He is really putting his whole body into his performance and it never feels halfway at all. He is always a hundred percent in the performance. I agree. And it'd be easy. It, I think that that's a really smart move on Michael Sarnowski's part where he is, he's using Nick Cage to the fullest extent of Nick Cage, which can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on who you are. Where he's not going full cage in the sense of being over the top and all over the place, but he is going full cage in the sense of he's using every inch of what he's got in order to give this character a fully lived in feel. Mm-hmm. And I think it works. I think it works a hundred percent where, you know, he's getting knocked out on the ground and every movement doesn't feel like Nicholas cage. It feels like Rob moving and living in this world. And I loved that. Love mm-hmm. that so much. I think the performances in this were great. Yeah. I have no complaints on the performances. I think the pacing and the pacing (laughs) (laughs) and uh, the biggest pacing and the plot being a little bit out there, Um, a little bit out there for a very otherwise grounded world. Mm -hmm. I think kind of, kind of like how we talked about, uh, 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 shoot. What's the term? Um, suspension of disbelief with uh, American in Paris and Sweeney Todd. It's a lot easier to sell just the, some weirder things with a world that is clearly like stylistically, visually not reality than it is something more grounded visually in reality. Yeah, that makes that makes total sense even if it's just like an exaggerated realism uh right visually right. and all 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 this is visually specifically right now right um but this is a very like he's it's very clear that they're trying to shoot this very um realistically mm-hmm. it's very naturally shot which is beautiful mm-hmm. i agree this film is beautiful yeah um I found it boring. Well, why don't Speaking we... Speaking of which... Why don't we take a break 
And then we'll come back and we will talk about a movie that you thought was even more boring. <laughs> yeah. All right, Zach, we're back. We're back. And uh, this may be a short segment. <laughs> we're talking about we're talking about Nomadland, which is a 2020, 2021-ish. It depends on how you count it because 2020 was a weird year. This was up for the 2020 Oscars, so we'll say 2020. Um, it's a movie uh, written, uh, directed, produced, edited by Chloe Zhao. And it stars Frances McDormand as a widow who leaves to travel the United States in her van as a nomad. And it kind of explores the life of van dwellers, uh, people who live in their vans, and uh, kind of roam the American countryside. And that's that's really really kind of it. Um, tell me, tell me what you you thought of this movie. I thought that it was a really pretty movie. Um, like very very pretty. Um, there you go. That that's it. That's all you that's- got. I thought, gosh, I was so ready. So I, I, the first movie by, by, uh, by Chloe Zhao, uh, right. Zhao, Chloe Zhao. Zhao. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, Chloe Zhao. Uh, the first movie of hers that I saw was, uh, Marvel's Eternals. And I was really, really ready uh to be like wow such a great start and then she went into not i mean this wasn't her debut feature film but like such a great movie i can't believe she made the eternals um i would say this was better than the eternals (laughs) i haven't seen eternals but from what i understand that's a low bar so i have rated very few movies as under one star on uh on letterboxd that is a half star this is this movie was not the eternals though this movie was nomadland um as i was watching this i did i committed the sin of texting during a movie and i texted you you did. My first question was, is this a slow burn or just slow? And you eventually said it is a portrait more than it is a plot. Which is why is I think true. I could have very easily just finished my statement with it was very pretty. <laughs> That's fair. I I really liked this, which you know. I do know that. I I I waited six 
plus months to watch this movie for this show because I knew that you loved it and would want to do it in an episode of this. Yes. I I didn't watch this movie for you, and then I watched this movie for you, and I'm frustrated with you on both of those accounts. <laughs> so I I watched this movie for the first time alone, and I watched it for the second time with my wife. You know, no, I didn't watch it alone. I watched it with a friend the first time too. Um so that statement is invalid. Never mind. Um, I I really love I love how quiet this movie is, which I think is probably one reason that people wouldn't like this movie because it is very quiet. It's there's not a lot that happens. There's not a lot going on as far as like a plot goes. Mm-hmm. But for me, it does such a good job at showing the stories, the true stories of people who go th- go into this lifestyle. So the movie is about van life, but not in like the influencer e hashtag van life way it takes a very very sober look at this lifestyle and what drives a person to give up everything that they've ever known and go out on the road for ever maybe and I just, I found it so engaging. I found it so interesting at the way, the tenderness with which Chloe Zhao tells her stories, tells the stories of these people by allowing them in their own words to just be put on camera and describe it. Mm-hmm. The natural light photography, I think, adds so much to that where it feels so naturalistic it feels so real and it almost feels like a documentary but also it's not a documentary but also it might be a documentary um i was i've been introduced through my work into this concept called slow tv that's essentially just letting things happen in front of the camera and it's kind of an antidote to the kind of crazy fast TikTok world that we live in. And I feel like this movie is kind of an example of that, which, which actually makes sense because, and and I don't know this for sure that this would have been an influence, but slow TV is very popular in China and Chloe Zhao actually spent some of her growing up years in China Um, she's a Chinese immigrant. Uh, This movie is actually banned in China because of certain comments that Chloe Zhao made about the Chinese government, uh, which is phenomenal. Go Chloe. Uh, All that to say, I think, you know, that could have been an influence. Obviously the films of Terrence Malick, she's in conversation with those um, and his emphasis on the natural world um, like 
tree of life, which we talked about earlier. Um, I love one of the things that I really appreciate about this movie is that it feels like it shines a light on a group of people in America who have not been seen really. And it does so in a way that is not judgmental. It's people who a lot of us would view as other, but it's not, again, it's not judgmental. It's not trying to make a statement about who they are, but instead cut through whatever their political beliefs may be, whatever their religious beliefs may be, whatever, whatever they might quote unquote identify as whatever marker that may be it cuts through that and says this is who they are and these are their stories and it talks about people who are dealing with cancer and it talks about people who are dealing with the loss of loved ones and it the careful the care with which chloe Zhao is telling those stories is so evident and I, I just, I fell in love with that and that ability to carefully, carefully, carefully tell these stories. And I find it fascinating that like Chloe Zhao is not American by birth. You know, mm-hmm. she didn't grow up surrounded by that. And I mean, maybe that's what it takes you know, to kind of cut through the noise of what we're surrounded by to see people for who they are. And I I really, really just found that fascinating. Instead of portraying people as what we've heard from culture, she went in and heard from them. Right. Yeah. And not to get too political here, but a large portion of the people they were interacting with were, we'll say, supporters of a different political party than um, a lot of filmmakers and um, those in the film industry are. And so, so they were very careful to not make a hyper political statement. Mm-hmm. And they set the movie in 2012 before certain people were elected into certain offices. And so they bypass any sort of political statement that one might want to make yeah and i think that's brilliant because when you watch a lot of message movies like quote-unquote message movies they kind of shove it down your throat you know i love aaron sorkin subtlety is not a strong suit for him Mm -mm. and so like trial of the Chicago seven kind of beats you over the head with what he's trying to say, where he's like, this is it. This is what's right. This is what's wrong. This is what we should do. 
And that's, that's certainly a way to make a movie. However, the, what Nomadland does is it digs beneath that exterior thing of saying, do this, do that. This is what you should believe. This is what you shouldn't believe. And just as this is it, make your own conclusions. But these are the real people who are being really affected by real things that are happening in the world. Mm-hmm. And to that point, most of the people in this movie are not actors. Yeah. Almost, almost everybody in this movie is, is not an actor other than uh, Francis McDormand, David Strathairn and a couple other people. And even then, Frances McDormand is playing a character named Fern, which is very close to her name. And uh, David Strathairn is playing a character named uh, Dave. Mm -hmm. So they're playing versions of themselves. I don't know. I for me, I I just I found all of that so so beautiful, and it's. A movie that I want to keep returning to, I think, for that reason. Um, especially when things feel kind of loud and scary. Like, it's easy to get wrapped up in the internet and to hear things and be like, man, the world is crazy and the world sucks and whatever. But then you're reminded, like, there are real people out there who are really dealing with stuff who, who are real Mm-hmm. who the things that we're arguing about on the internet actually affect. And I think that's incredibly, incredibly important. You have to take a step back every now and then to see. Right. The real people. Right. And not that other people who don't deal with those things aren't real, but like the people right. who can't, who are in no position to be anything but real. Right. Right. Like it's, there's so much value in the stories that Chloe Zhao was very, very carefully telling in this film. Mm. And she does so in, in such a unobtrusive way. I think it's wonderful. Do you have anything more that you want to add to this? Or are you, you just going to let me. I think, I think it's, I think you offered really great thoughts on it and i'll leave it at that (laughs) well in that case why don't we wrap up yeah 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 uh thank you for listening to rewatch it's a show about movies we love movies we haven't seen yet my name is seth you can find me on the internet at seth scruggs i'm on instagram and letterboxd zach where can people find you i am on instagram at zachary is thinking and letterboxd at zachary vaughn and you can find Mark Spots the X on YouTube and Instagram. There'll be links in our show notes, links to our show notes, and all of that. There will be links to all of that in our show notes. And uh, we also have a short film out. It's on YouTube. You can check it out. It's called Graveyard Shift. We're super proud of it, and we hope that you'll go see it next week. Zach on Rewatch. It's the season finale of Rewatch, mm-hmm. and we are ending it with the man himself. Mr. George Clooney. All right. We'll see you next week.